Hello and welcome to the Greenhouse Church Podcast. My name is Benj Gould and I'm the lead pastor. We are all about creating an environment where anyone can follow the way of Jesus. So we hope that this teaching helps you on your way. So, thanks Benj. Um, And thanks for your welcome. Um, We've been praying quite a bit, but I'm going to do that a bit more because I want us to think fairly carefully about how we spend our days, and that's something I want us to think through with God. That's kind of the point of this, is it not? So, will you join with me in prayer, and then I'm going to start talking about some stuff. Let's pray. Our Lord and God, we thank you for the great grace that we know, your great kindness in calling us to know you. We thank you for that great kindness you showered upon us in gifting us for your service, in giving us people to love, a world to enjoy, a world to contribute to. We ask that by your spirit you might continue to shape our hearts and minds. Please help us to become a bit more like Jesus. May the stuff we do today contribute to that great and kind purpose. Father, we delight in knowing that we are your children. Lord Jesus, it's extraordinary to know that we are your companions on your way. Spirit, we delight in knowing that you are with us and enable us. So please, God, Father, Son and Spirit, may you continue to mould us in the image of the Lord Jesus and send us in your name into your world. Amen. So, work. When you hear that word, what, what comes to mind for you? There's this old song, or at least I'm old enough to remember. Some of you may have heard it. Hi-ho, don't sing it, I won't. Hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work we go. Yeah? Don't. <laughs> I said don't. There's always one, isn't there? Uh, and you've been thinking about work as you've been bringing stuff. And uh, I mean, it's fantastic to see the range of things that we have here, an a- from an asphalt bucket to a laptop. It's brilliant. But as you think about work, whether that's paid or unpaid, whether that's um, being the, the primary caregiver, the person who's shaping immature homo sapiens to be agents of the kingdom of God in the world, whatever that is... What comes to mind when you think about work? What does it look like for you? Perhaps it's Monday to Friday. Might be in an office. And as you think about that office, you might think about it with some joy or you might think it with this sinking feeling in your stomach, knowing that this is just going to be another boring slog of a week. Or or, or maybe for you, as you think about where you are in the world, it's another round of job interviews or making lunches and changing nappies, the stuff of everyday life. Think about it. Think about your work. If you brought an item or you wrote something down, think about what you put on the table. And if I can put it this way, think about 
how you think about it. Think about how you see it. What is the lens through which you look at it? If we can move on. Next slide. Now, lenses are important. I'm old and so I need these things in order to see the world, or let alone my screen. Um, some of you who, like me, wear these things may have had the experience of picking up somebody else's glasses. Yeah? It does not work terribly well. If you've got the wrong set of lenses, you will see the world fundamentally wrongly. And here's the thing. There are a whole bunch of lenses that Christians look through when they think about work. And some of them are, if I can put it so theologically sophisticatedly, pretty crappy lenses. Some of them you can, you can think about um, bumper stickers kind of reflect some of them, don't they? I owe, I owe, it's off to work I go. You know, work is just the place you go, the thing you endure in order to earn the money you need in order to subsist, in order to continue your life in the world. Or um, I'd rather be fishing. I don't know why anyone would ever rather be fishing, but there you go. Or, or, or baking or something. You know those bumper stickers? Work is the thing that interrupts the things you'd really like to be doing in the world. Yeah? Or things that you don't tend to see on bumper stickers, but you do see in the faces and sometimes broken lives of people around you. The workaholic. The someone who lives for their work. Sometimes seen in the, the, the illusion of the self-made man. It's normally a man, isn't it, who thinks of themselves as self-made? The person who's done it all themselves, which is generally a load of nonsense. But there are some particular... These are all distorted lenses. They don't help us to see work well. And there's one particular Christian one, which I think has been extraordinarily damaging. And that is the idea that the work we do in the world, whether it's fixing potholes or organising spreadsheets, has no intrinsic good. It has no benefit in itself. All it is is an opportunity for you to earn money so you can give to Benj, support your family, and maybe talk to your workmates about Jesus, and that's it. Yeah? Have you come across that kind of idea? Yeah. Um, nonsense and other words. Now, now, to some extent, there's something right as well as something profoundly wrong about all of those things because work is a way of making money. We live in a world in which the economy requires Monetary exchange. If you don't have money, you're kind of in trouble, right? And we live in a world in which work is not the only good thing we might do. It may not be something we particularly enjoy. And it does allow us to do things which we can then enjoy. It does allow us... It does allow us to support people in ministry, to engage in relationships with others who don't yet know Jesus so that maybe they might see something about us which is a bit different. It does all of those things. But the big thing most of those things miss is this idea that work itself, the stuff we do every day, whether it's changing nappies 
or filling potholes, that this is a, not only a contribution to the world, but a contribution we make in the name of the Lord our God. And so what I want us to do this morning is to think about that, to think about the lenses that we might have through which we look at our work and think about a different set of lenses that we might adopt, lenses that might help us see things better. And here's the first one. Now, um, the, right at the beginning of our Bible, I don't know if you've ever, ever thought about this. I don't know if you've ever thought about the way in which work is presented to us as a way in which we image God. Think about Genesis 1. It's a really familiar text. If you go on to a, cu- a couple of slides now, um, you'll see a bit of Genesis 1. I- I'd like you to think about that for a moment. If we go on to the next one. Here's a familiar text. It's one for those of you who've been, uh, I don't know if it was part of this past year's Bible study plan, it sounds as though not, neglected the Old Testament as people generally do. You're going to get that right this time, aren't you? Good. Um, for, for those of you who've read your Bibles, um, from start to finish, this is a start, right? Just think about the ways in which God is depicted in Genesis 1, right at the start of the story. This is a God who makes and does, who fashions. If you go on to Genesis 2, which we'll do a bit later, you see God kind of working with the ground to make stuff, planting a garden. Have you ever thought, as you read through your scriptures, just how many images of God present God to us as a worker? Think for a moment. Um, For those of you who've been Christians for a little while and know bits of your Bible, probably the most familiar psalm would be, someone tell me? Psalm 23. How does it open? The Lord is my shepherd. Have you ever thought of that? Shepherds, you know what they do? They run around fields. They, They chase down stray animals. They take them to where they need to be to find food and pasture. This is perhaps one of the best known images of God, but we tend not to think of it as presenting God to us as a worker. So many images. God as a potter. God as the one like a carpenter who marks out the heavens. Yes? God as a builder who makes a world that we can then inhabit. God in Psalm 23 as a midwife. All these images of God. This is quite extraordinary if you think about it. If you think about the ways in which this subverts how we tend to think of God and how we tend to think of work. Have you ever thought of that? The work we do is one of the ways in which we image God. Now, if we move on, as you... uh, in Genesis 1, there's this whole bunch of stuff going on. One of the things that we find is not just God as a worker, but God making humans in order that they might work. Yep. Now, this is seen in lots and lots of ways. One of them is in this thing about being made in the image of God. Now, um, you can see a statue of... Oh, that's Queen Victoria, um, one of our previous imperial masters. Um, <laughs> And this is 
pretty typical. This is in the QVB in the centre of Sydney, and this is pretty typical of what imperial powers do, isn't it? They stick statues of the most important, well, the person they think is the most important in the empire, in strategic places. And why do they do that? Yes, to remind the people to claim this territory as their own. Yeah? And you know what? That's what God does. Look around the room, and what you find are people who have been made in the image of God, each one of which is meant to be a representative of God and God's claim on this earth. Does that make sense? It's an extraordinary idea, isn't it? See, the stuff we do in the world is meant to not only reflect who God is, but further God's purposes in the world. That's what the whole dominion thing is about, you know, the, the fill the earth bit, have dominion over it. That is God calling those of us who are made in God's image to be about God's work in the world, to reflect the character of God in the stuff we do. It's pretty cool, isn't it? That gives us a somewhat different picture of our work, doesn't it? And it's not just a matter of work. It's also in the Christian tradition, this is connected to, uh, here's a fancy term, what's called the cultural mandate. What, what that means is the call on human beings to make culture, to do stuff, to shape their societies and to create Create beautiful things. You know, all of that stuff, all of that creativity forming culture, all that prompts delight in the goodness of life, the goodness of the world, all of that images God. When we bring order to the world, if, if you're involved in accounting or... Um, maybe not breaking things. Um, uh, if you're in, involved in, uh, in accounting or if you're, as um, talking to Vince, who fills holes in the road, that's bringing order to a world which tends to break down if we do not tend to it, yes? <laughs> yeah. This image is God, Right? When you create beauty, when you bring delight to the people around you, this images God. If you plant a garden, if you make music, if you craft a fine table or a delicious meal to put on it, all of those things image God. So as you think about work, as you think about this thing that you brought down or the thing you wrote on a bit of paper or the thing that's just running through your mind now, just think about this. In what ways does the stuff you do image God? Does that give you a different lens through which to look at what you'll be doing later today or tomorrow? But the second lens, if we can move on, is to think about work as what I'd call a creaturely good. That is, something good that has been entrusted to us. You see, in Genesis 2, we are created to work. 
You notice that? God plants a garden, and the garden doesn't actually do its thing, right? Until there is someone there to till it. See, in Genesis 2, we are created to work, to benefit from that work, and in order that the world around us might benefit from our productive labour. Uh, images of Eden that we have, in, if you look at the next picture, tend to see it as a kind of, mm, what would you call it, lazy ideal. Yeah? You don't see many ploughs in most images of Eden, which is kind of wrong if you think about it, isn't it? See, God puts the first humans in a garden, but what happens to a garden if you don't take care of it? If you have a look at the next slide, that's what happens. Gardens need work, and they need workers. This is what happens when a garden gets worked, when there's someone to look after it. That's the same garden, by the way. Our work is meant to contribute to the flourishing of the world. And part of that work is to understand it. Now, I don't know if you've, you've noticed this. In, in Genesis 2, the, the, the man is called to name stuff, right? And what naming is, is a way of figuring out what this thing is and what it's for. That's, the, that's what naming is, right? And so when, when the man names stuff, what he's doing is figuring out where this is in the world, what kind of thing it is, and what kind of thing it's good for. And as, you'll, as you know, if you know the story, uh, one of the things that the animals aren't good for is a, a, a matching counterpart. Yep, but that's another story. Understanding the world and figuring out how it works and ensuring that we work with it well is one of the things that God calls us to do. Our work is meant to contribute to the flourishing of the world in which we find ourselves, as well as to the communities in which we find ourselves and which have formed us and which we seek to form. Our work is meant to be a benefit to others. But not just that. One of the things I love about Genesis 2, there are lots of things, one of them is... That God makes different kinds of trees, yep? You're familiar with this. And God makes two different kinds of trees. Have you ever, never ever spotted this? God makes trees that are good for food and that are a delight to the eyes. We tend to forget that bit. Why? I mean, why does God make banksias, bottle brushes, daisies? Because God loves beautiful things. They're useless, but beautiful. Our work also contributes to the world when we make useless but beautiful things. If that's what you do, if you just make the world a more beautiful place, grow flowers or arrange them, paint things, make nice buildings. All of that contributes to the world and honours God. This is part of our creaturely calling. There's a, a bloke I know. Um, now, he's an American, so of course he's called Chuck. Uh, if we move on 
to the next slide. And he's an architect. Now, he's a bit of an, an unusual architect, lovely, lovely guy, but he makes laboratories. He designs laboratories. Okay, you think, right. He's a Christian guy, and he sees this designing of laboratories as his Christian calling. Here's one. This is the Marine Sciences Center in La Jolla, California. Um, so that's, that's the building. If you move on to the next slide, that's where it is in the world, and that's the kind of building he's made. If you move on, this is one of the workspaces where he brings the outside world into the work environment. It's just fun, right? This is, if we move on, this is another one. A material sciences building. This is the Uni of New South Wales, if you ever trek down that way. Um, this is the building. If you move on, here's what it looks like inside. Now, what's he doing? He's making spaces where people can work, but the way he puts it is, I want to build places where people's souls will expand. I think that nails something, doesn't it? Think about, I mean, if you're, if you're working in materials technology and you worked in that kind of place, if we move on, that's, your soul expands. But that's way beyond what most of us are capable of, unless you're an architect and you're building laboratories. This is pretty cool. Most of our tasks are somewhat smaller scale than this. This is one that my wife was involved in some years ago. My wife is an avid gardener. Um, and she and a bunch of other people at one of the churches we were involved in, there was this dead space um, in the kind of common area near the church, and she said, this would be a really cool place to have a garden. And so they made one. That's, that's what it looks like. It was a dead space. You can see just in the corner there, there's a bloke sitting there. It has now become part of the community hub of that particular part of Sydney. Small scale. Useless. Well, it kind of grew herbs and other things like that, but really it was just a beautiful space. This is what our work can do. Our work can be can make a contribution which reflects the character of our God, a contribution to the world around us and the communities in which we find ourselves. That's what work can do when it goes well. Does it always? Of course not. Some of you, you might be hearing these stories and saying, yeah, that's great, mate. You do not know what my office is like. Or you don't know the, um, sticking the word you choose here, people I have to work with. The tragedy, of course, is that the story goes on into Genesis 3. The, the world itself is fractured, as are the people who navigate their way through it. And the tragedy in Genesis 3 is that work becomes frustrating labour and idolatrous toil. Parenting isn't always fun and games, is it? That's the reality we know. We know, if we move on, we know that the... Here's a text, and we know that the garden becomes something of a wilderness, or at least humans are expelled out into it, if you look at the next picture. We all know that. 
the tedium of life in an office, sometimes a destructive work culture. For some people, dangerous drudgery and exploitation. Talk to Vince about danger in the workplace. The myth of the self-made man, the idolatry of workaholic labour. Injustice which is so deep that we have no idea how to fix it. An economy which now creaks and clanks and does not work for the benefit of the people it is meant to benefit. Let's not, let's not be idealistic. The, the lenses through which we look at the world are not rose-tinted. Work can be hard, frustrating, fruitless. Ecclesiastes puts it this way, so I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. It is all meaningless or futile, a chasing after the wind. But God, of course, is no more willing to leave it at that than God is willing to leave us lost in sin or a world doomed to frustration and futility. God is in the business, not just of the work of redemption, but the redemption of work. Let me say that again. God is in the business not just of the work of redemption, but the redemption of work. And in the midst of the frustration of human existence, its hard labours, its fleeting joys, work also has dignity. In, in, in Psalm 90, for example, one which, if you've read it, you, you'd know just how much it laments the fleeting brokenness of human existence, it also has this hope that God might prosper the work of our hands. And if, have you ever thought about the work of the Redeemer in this light? So we know that Jesus was trained, well, tradition is a carpenter, probably a builder. The word tectone generally means a builder, someone who not builds these things, but builds these things, right? So, so we know that this was his training. And we also know that, have you ever thought about it? This is a bit weird. Jesus gets, if I can put it this way, gets down and dirty in his work of redemption. Think about um, John 9 and the healing of the man born blind. Why? Just why does God's, uh, God enfleshed in Jesus spit on the ground, make some mud and smear it on this bloke's eyes? What's with that? One of the things it shows us is that this work of redemption is not some ethereal, out there thing. In in reconciling the world to himself in the Lord Jesus, God gets down, and all puns intended, God gets down and dirty. The physicality of our lives in the world, the ordinary business of what we are doing, this mattered so much to the Lord that this was part of the life of the Lord who came to redeem us. Ever thought about that? 
That's pretty damn cool, isn't it? And it's not as if this, it ends there even. Um, I'm going to wrap up in a sec, don't worry. When we look at the end of the story, we sometimes, we, we, we often had this notion, it's a crazy idea, it's one of my least favourite ideas in all the world, and that, that's saying something. We had this crazy idea that we kind of, that when we die we go to heaven. Yep. That our destiny is to be kind of released from the earth, and that's almost exactly wrong. When you look at the picture at the end of the book of Revelation, what we have is not us being kind of beamed up, Scotty, out of ordinary physical existence into some ethereal non-landscape. We have the Lord our God descending to earth. We have the new city Jerusalem coming down from heaven to earth. And one of the cool things about that city, there's lots of cool things, one of the cool things about that city is that the gates are open for the kings of the earth to bring their glory into it. You think, what? What God is doing there is claiming those cultural products All those things are the works of human hands, that even some of the stuff that empires build, if and when that reflects something of the character of God, if and when that reflects something of God's kingly purposes in the world, if and when this is part of the beauty of the gospel, that is claimed by God and brought into the new Jerusalem to adorn the city of God. Yep. The stuff that we do, when it reflects the character of God, it's the ornament of the new Jerusalem. Wow. There are some somewhat different lenses through which to look at your work, are there not? So as we think about work, if we can move on, all all work counts. It doesn't matter what kind of work it is. Well, with some exceptions, I guess, if you're making small arms or in part of the gambling industry. All work counts, or at least it can. All work can be a way of imaging God, reflecting something of who God is to those around us. All work can contribute to what God is doing in the world. Because God is in the business of making a flourishing world. God is in the business of making flourishing communities. And God is in the business of using us in that grand project. Let me finish with this. For some of you, this is very familiar. And that's cool. For some, of this, for some of you, this might be very new. Part of Benj's job, so I'm going to dump you in it here, mate, and certainly part of my job, is to help you think well about the stuff you do with your everyday life in the world. little plug for Morning College, that's one of the things we do. We want to help you understand who our God is. We want to help you understand the stuff that you do. You don't have to do that kind of Benji stuff in order for you to be honouring God and in order for the stuff that we do at college to contribute to what God is doing through you in the world. Come and talk to me later. And put Benj on the spot. 
Ask him to help you see how the scriptures inform your understanding and practice of work. Ask him to help you read your workplace to see what's good and what's toxic and to think about what you might be able to do about it, if anything other than pray. Ask us about how you can be equipped to be God's agents transforming the places in which God has placed you, being ones through whom something of the glory of God is mirrored to those around you. I promise I was going to stop. I keep my promise. Let me pray. Our Lord and God, you are so good and so great, and it's just fantastic to recognise the great privilege it is to be your people, to be about your business in your world. Please help us not just to think well, but by your spirit, give us the gifts, the insight, the wisdom, the knowledge, the perseverance, the courage to be your agents of your transforming purposes in your world. And as you do that, bring glory to yourself through our Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray.